When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's another fine mess for the House of Windsor this week as the Royal Family's senior members gather today for a summit at Sandringham. The Queen has ordered Prince Harry, Prince William and their father, Prince Charles, to sit down around a table and thrash out just how this privatisation plot by Meghan Markle is actually going to work. They're not doing it till 2 o'clock this afternoon because, of course, Meghan has to be able to uh, chip in with her thoughts, I don't know why, by the way, uh, on FaceTime because she's over in Vancouver Island at the moment. Over the weekend, we've seen videos of Harry cringingly telling the head of Disney, Bob Iger, that she does voiceovers shortly before she signed up by Disney to do... Uh voiceovers. We've heard all about how the Sussex Royals are also now threatening to do a tell-all interview in America in which they will allege the royal family bullied them and forced them onto the sidelines. It really is quite extraordinary how this B-list actress has joined an ancient institution and is now attempting to destroy it from within. By the close of play today, we should have a decision on whether Harry and Meghan will keep the money, keep the house or disappear off to Canada for good. And if it was a shambles last week, it is now a full-blown constitutional catastrophe for the Queen. You'd have to feel sorry for her, wouldn't you? We'll get the latest from Royal author Robert Jobson, 0344 499 1000. Just like last week, we are live streaming the show on YouTube, Facebook and on Twitter, of course, as well. So get on it right now. Coming up, we'll find out why cutlery manufacturers are selling blunt knives and we'll be asking what Dominic Cummings is up to with his latest plans to shake up the civil service as well. And don't forget, your voices are the ones we want to hear. 0344 499 1000. You can tweet us as well, at Talk Radio. And you can join the YouTube live feed, put your comments on there and get them read out. And we might even set you up with a Japanese billionaire who wants a girlfriend to fly to the moon with. And presumably back again. You're listening to me and watching me live right here on Talk Radio. This is, of course, the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It's Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, if you had uh, crawled out from under the stone under which you were dwelling over the course of the weekend, you would have seen nothing but wall-to-wall coverage of the royal family. Some great 
pieces written in the Sunday papers this morning. Fears Harry will tell all if his plans are thwarted on the front page of the Daily Telegraph. Harry in turmoil over cutting his royal links. The story goes that basically Prince Harry does not want to cut his royal family ties because he feels in some way indebted to the Queen, with whom up until this moment he had a great relationship. Uh, but he's torn because of Meghan Markle and her ambitions to turn the Sussex royals, uh, which is what their trade name apparently now is, uh, into the new Kardashians. Public fury uh, over at The Guardian. Royal soap Oprah uh, on the front page of The Sun. Meghan Harry's US TV bid. Uh, we also saw, as I said on the uh, on the start of this show, uh, some terrible footage over the weekend of, uh, of Prince Harry basically trying to sort of get his wife a job at Disney, which is pretty cringeworthy. If you haven't seen it, I'll retweet it a little bit later on. But let's talk to Robert Jobson, Royal Editor at the Evening Standard, Royal Author as well, a man uh, who's lived through the entire Princess Diana scenario uh, from start to finish uh, and, and, and how uh, that ended up, everybody, of course, knows. Robert, very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. This is quite an extraordinary state of affairs, isn't it? I mean, if we thought it was bad on Friday, it got worse over the weekend. Um, and today, the summit at Sandringham, I can't imagine what that's going to be like. Well, it's extraordinary. You've got summits at Sandringham and all this sort of thing. It's not normally how the royal family have to behave. But I think that the Meghan and Harry have uh, clearly either reached a tipping point or... Or the, or the, or the royal, and it's left the royal family in this precarious position. And, and make no mistake, it's a very damaging position. You know, you've got things like the Queen's uh, being defied, as we revealed in the Standard last week, and Harry going public in spite of her express wishes, threats of TV interviews and, and the like. I think the, the royal family, Prince of Wales, have to act very decisively and uh, probably... Um, in a way that won't suit Meghan and Harry, because you can't be dictated to by by Harry. He's he's not the direct heir to the throne. The monarchy exists really around the monarch only, and the rest are there to support the monarch. And um, clearly, Harry and Meghan are not supporting the monarch. They're giving her one hell of a headache. Well, exactly right. And I mean, your stuff last week was fascinating, Robert, as an insight into how this has kind of got to this point. But also, reading Tom Bradby's piece in the Sunday Times yesterday, who's a well-known friend of theirs, the guy that did that famous interview in Africa, uh, at which she said that she wasn't really OK and she was struggling to come to terms with motherhood and all of that. You know, I mean, he was clearly writing something they wanted him to write, which I find quite insidious, actually. Well, I mean, the reality is, I mean, they're going to get their, their point of view out there, and who can blame them for that? But I don't think the general public are particularly sympathetic. With, if they want to go their own way, then, you know, give up your title, give up your benefits, give up the money that comes with it. And, and it's a lot of money. So, um, Well, it's a lot of money, and it's a lot of privilege. And yeah, I mean, yeah, but the idea as well, Robert, ordinary people who are struggling to get into work today on the trains, right. packed in like sardines, sitting in traffic jams, driving around in taxis, driving around in, in transit yeah. vans, doing their jobs, are looking at this pair and saying, are you having a laugh? Are you seriously telling me that you actually are struggling to survive in the world? Well, it's, it's, it's self-indulgent, isn't it? Isn't the, it? The problem we've got here is that they don't seem to be in the real world at the moment. The no. fact is that... Harry, on that last trip to Africa, which was on, was you know, lost. He seemed talking about his mother, and we all agree that that was a tragic loss. But to start blaming the, the media, which is a completely different beast to what it was in 1990, I know I was around at the time. Yeah, right. It's, not, it's simply nonsense. And they've really had a pretty fair crack of the whip. I think that even the Prince of Wales, the Queen, and Prince William will say that. And they will say that actually that they've been embraced, Meghan has certainly yeah. been embraced. 
the problem she's got is that they are, you know, they're really not, a, it's not a constitutional crisis as it was in 1936 because really they're so far down the totem pole. You know, the Queen is at the top, then there's Charles, then there's William, then there's George and, and George's brother and sister, then there's Harry, and there's, you know, you've got to go a long way before there's any idea that they're going to be the King or Queen, which they're not going to be. So it's not causing a constitutional crisis. It's just causing a huge embarrassment to the Queen and the Prince of Wales. And for people that are turning around and saying they want to support the Queen and the Prince of Wales and the monarchy as an institution, well, they're not doing it. I mean, the, the simple way is if you can't hack it and you don't want to continue as a member of the royal family, give up all the benefits, yeah. pay for it yourself. They've got something like £40 million between them. And pay for it yourself. Mm. Well, this is the point. Trouble is, for people like Meghan Markle, 40 million quid's never going to be enough because she wants to live the lifestyle of a multi-billionaire. She wants to be able to fly on private jets everywhere she goes. I mean, I don't know how she got uh, backwards and forwards leaving Archie behind uh, or how she got the dogs out to uh, to, to Vancouver uh, la la sort of back end of last year. But I'm pretty sure there would have been some private jets involved. And, you know, once you're in that kind of area, once you're in with those kind of wealthy people... You know, suddenly 40 million doesn't sound like enough money. But how arrogant of her to join an institution, which she willingly did, and to then complain that it's sexist, that it's racist, that they've been bullying her, yeah. and I that mean, they need really, to change. I mean, and it really isn't. And if they're going to go on air and say those sort of things, they're going to be almost a laughing stock, I would think. But the reality here is, one must remember, it's a very delicate point for the monarchy as an institution, because the monarchy exists purely on the basis of the people's will. And the fact is, if you do not have the backing of the people, then the, the monarchy as an institution will go. And they're blaming the media, which is the messenger of the people, for everything that's gone wrong in their lives. Well, I mean, that's a ridiculous thing to do in the first place, because they're simply a, a messenger. And actually, the stories have not been that over overzealous or over the top. I think they've been fairly straightforward. You know, they were taking private jets and criticised for, for lecturing people on climate change. I mean, that's pretty standard, I would have thought. But the reality here, the reality is it is a bit of a tipping point for the monarchy because it's embarrassing that Britain at this time when Brexit is on the cusp, we're about, you know, about to embark and we need the royal family to be out there batting for Britain, mm. which Prince Charles and Prince William and the Queen do every single day of their lives. And this really is quite a shocking indictment of the way things are, are going. I mean, yeah. they cannot possibly cash in on brand monarchy or brand royal because that is outrageous to do that and that's something that the Queen cannot really allow because I don't think the public will stomach it. No, Equally, it millions of pounds have been spent on this couple, millions. Yeah, I know, and absolutely that, and, right. And, and, that, and it occurred I mean, to me this morning, Robert, as I was coming into work, that, that she's behaving rather like one of those spoiled Premier League footballers who's not happy at the club and is kind of agitating yeah. to leave and go somewhere else. The difference, though, of course, is that she has no business cashing in on the Sussex Royals, as she wants to call themselves, uh, or anything to do with the royal family, because if she doesn't is not willing to put the work in, as everybody else does, then why in the hell should she benefit from it? Well, she can't. I mean, but, but Mike, there's, there's, on that um, um, website that they produced, there are a number of huge errors mm. that they've just printed as fact. You know, the security issue has got to be resolved. The 5% money that is public that they get is mon it's a nonsense. Yeah. Suggest. It's just 5%. And they've got things completely wrong. And, and ultimately, I think that the Queen has to look at these two situations with two different hats. Obviously, as a grandmother, she's sympathetic to what's going on in her grandson's life. She knows he can be a volatile and fragile character. But most of all, at this moment in time, 
she has to wear the crown and the crown has to be quite ruthless when dealing with people that they don't want to be part of it as with the previous king edward the eighth then once you're out you're out Exactly. And what about that video where he's talking to the head of Disney about how, you know, oh, do you know she's, she does voiceovers? I mean, that is almost cringeworthingly kind of disgraceful, really. Well, if, you know, I, I've never been a supporter of, uh, of what the Republic movement said in this country. I think they're out of step and I think the royal family have done a, a good job over the years. But that walks straight into what the Republic movement say. You know, they're utilising their position for financial gain yeah. and putting someone like Bob Iger in a position where both you sort of look at it and say, okay, money could be made by my company. But, you know, you're almost using your position there to to actually force uh, a, a deal. Uh, and that, you know, is, is a disgrace. But also it's embarrassing. I mean, I actually had an exchange with somebody yesterday uh, on, uh, on Twitter who said it's just what any husband would do for his wife. Well, actually, no, it's not. I would not walk into a room full of people in black tie, go up to the richest guy there running the biggest company and say, by the way, why don't you give my wife a job? I don't think I would do that. And I don't think anybody that, that I know I mean, would you know, do that. It's not only that. When you're dealing with diplomacy, which is a very delicate issue, the rules are used for soft power diplomacy, whereby they're not travelling salesmen, but they're there to pitch and softly persuade people to come over to the British way to, you know, they're not there with a bag full of trade deals. That's the follow-up stuff that's done by the, the ministers. But they're there to support Great Britain PLC, and that's basically one of, one of the key roles that they have. Mm. Now, if you're not going to start swapping Great Britain PLC, the, which is benefiting the whole greater, the greater public, which, which they represent, and start swapping that for Sussex Royal Inc. and starting building up your own financial position. That's a very dangerous position to put yourself in and to put the royal family in, because ultimately the royal family answer to the public. And if the public can see that they are not doing the job that they're supposed to be doing and they're actually cashing in on their status, then they're justified. They're justified in actually criticising them as being completely out of step with what is going on in a modern society and that they could then be replaced by an elected system of government of second, you know, of a, of a head of state. And that is something that would be a disgrace, yeah. given their position is quite low-ranking. And the Queen has done nothing wrong apart from serve her country ever since she was a little girl and told that she, through no fault of her own, would be inheriting the crown. Because at, at that time, another very selfish member of the family, her uncle, decided he would mm. not do his, his duty. Exactly right. And I was watching uh, a piece over the weekend in which it said that Prince Charles himself does something like uh, between four and five hundred uh, royal More, sort of yeah. uh, uh, events every single year. That Prince Philip, who's often castigated as the man that never did very much, has done something like 23,000 in his life. And this is a time when, because Prince Andrew is not really in the picture as far as uh, uh, being able to show up at things anymore, they actually did quite need Harry and Meghan to yeah, do an do. awful lot of the engagements. Well, they do. The bottom line is, you know, the Queen is in the mid-90s and still carries out 300 engagements a year. Um, the Prince of Wales effectively is like a quasi-king having to travel around the world and on behalf of the Queen, effectively as head of state because she doesn't do long haul travel, understandably, anymore. And, of course, he would need the backup of Prince William and, and Kate and, and his son, other son, but, and, his, and his wife, Megan. The fact is, though, by them bailing out, they're putting an awful lot of pressure on William and his family, yeah. which is un, unfair. And there aren't enough people, a lot of other um, organisations will suffer because they won't have somebody as a royal 
packed as their patron or their, their leaders, you know, or their figureheads. And that actually does bring in a lot of money and a lot of a lot of influence. But ultimately, it's the way it's been done that's been pretty yeah. important. I understand if people are suffering and need to, you know, they need a break or they need to sort of... Well, I'm, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't understand well, that. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I know, do understand what is that. It, what is it that, that is so, has been so terrible? Everybody I've we asked this know. question to, I mean, we I mean, don't know, because there isn't anything. Yeah. Well, we don't know that, Mike. I mean, we don't know if people are having, you know, mental breakdowns. We don't know if they're having, you know, post uh, post depression. We actually don't know. But what we do know is that they did both sign up to be full members of the royal family. And they have been given as much support as possible by the Queen and the Prince of Wales. And to actually treat the Queen in the way they did by defying, as we revealed in the Evening Standard, by defying her express wish was pretty appalling, and they should, should should be hanging their heads in shame over that. Yeah, absolutely. And what about this nonsense about uh, Prince William's bullied us out of the royal family? Because that's the impression that's being given. Those are the kinds of tips uh, and inside information that Tom Bradby was writing about. Making, well, I mean, I know Prince out... William, and he's not a bully. He's a, he's a actually kind-hearted, deep-thinking guy. And I yeah. think, actually, and I, you know, he was on the trip with him to Pakistan when he was did visit there with the Duchess of Cambridge, and they did an excellent job for Great Britain PLC. It really did make a difference. And I think that to start making accusations through the back door of bullying is is rather ironic, given what they've done. It's effectively hold a gun to the, yeah. wall, the Queen's head and said, "We're going to do. We're going to do what we want to do. Do do as we do, or, or not at all." I mean, I wrote in my book that. that there was that expression, what Megan wants, Megan gets. Yeah. Never a true word seems to be. No, true. quite. And what she's done is she's broken away uh, Prince Harry from all of his old mates who weren't invited to the wedding. She's broken him away from his brother. She's now broken him away from his grandmother. You know, there's possibly no way back for him if it all goes wrong well, over on Vancouver Island, wherever they decide expect, to go. Don't expect them to be particularly... Um, they, you know, they try to accommodate... Um, Harry and sort this as quickly as possible. But the worst thing the Queen would want was people like me and you on the radio or, and uh, others discussing this endlessly and on the front page endlessly. The other thing you've got to remember here is I was talking to a friend of mine. If this had been the other way around and he, if she would be the new uh, a fella yeah. who comes in and this would be the princess, there would be all, all hell to play about bullying. By, because in the fact is she has cut him off seemingly from a lot of his friends and his family. She seems to have cut herself off from her own family too. But if this had the other way round and it was a guy that was doing this, a lot of people would say that he was a control freak and a bully. Yeah, absolutely right. Got a great question here from Nina uh, who's tweeted in saying, uh, how are we sure that uh, Megan's not going to record the, 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 the summit uh, meeting this afternoon uh, for future use in some kind of TV programme? And actually, you can't be sure that she won't do that. I wouldn't let her into it, to be honest. I don't think that she will be in on the conversation. I think that there's that was added as a suggestion from sources. Um, I don't. I think that the Queen would expect anybody who wanted to have a conversation with her. She's 93, after all, to have the conversation with her face to face. So I think that the converse, any meeting that will take place will take place when the Queen wants it to take place, not when Meghan decides it suits her. Yeah, right. And Harry's going back to Canada, we understand, at the end of this week or possibly before that. Um, I'm wondering whether we'll ever see them again. No, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think they've sort of made their mind up that they're going to uh, withdraw from uh, the public life in terms of the UK. They're All of their Sussex Royal um, uh, plans seem to be international. Um, I suspect that they're going to resettle on the the, um, 
the west coast of America and eventually once Canada is bored them as well because I think ultimately Megan is a California girl. I think that's where she wants to be. And yeah, but she doesn't she, want to live in America as long as Donald Trump's the president. I mean, is she for this woman? What's wrong with her? Well, you know, the bottom line is they've got to be allowed to... They're going to have to settle somewhere, but I think if I was them, I would not be looking to be paid for by anyone else. And I know ultimately that's what they say they want. And if you've got any trust fund, I mean, you're supposed to have something like £40 million pounds in trust funds, which will have to be heavily taxed um, if they take it out. And she's supposed to have a few million in the bank. Well, that's better than a lot of people, and I think they'll probably have to start cashing in their chips. Yeah, it's absolutely appalling. I'm appalled. I have to say, Robert, thanks for your help as ever. Uh, Robert Jobson, royal author, uh, royal editor of the Evening Standard. Look out for some of his stuff on the internet a little bit later on. Of course, we'll retweet whatever he puts out, because Robert is a man in the know. And we've got the Sandringham Summit, supposedly coming up at 2pm this afternoon. We'll bring you everything we can as, as it happens, as we can do it. Um, but it's going to be a pretty tense meeting, I would imagine, Prince Harry has literally sold the royal family down the river by marrying this ghastly woman who's got no business being anywhere near the heritage of this great country of ours. I'm sorry. 0344 499 1000. What can we do with these two? What can we do with this pair? What should we do with Harry and Meghan, the prince and princess of absolute and utter wokedom? This is Talk Radio. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Not just now live on the radio, but live streamed on YouTube, live streamed, of course, on Twitter and live streamed on Facebook. Join uh, the community, join the revolution, join all the people uh, who are now enjoying watching me uh, as well as listening to me because some of you, uh, maybe later on in the week, will get to pick what sort of haircut I get. You might be able to pick what sort of tie I'm going to wear. You know, there's all kinds of plans afoot uh, of this fantastic project that we are now involved in. The Independent Republic uh, has, of course, gone global. Uh, this has been known, but by no means had any impact on Harry and Meghan, uh, who have decided to go global as well. There's a massive meeting going on in Sandringham later on this afternoon, which we will bring you uh, every detail of as soon as we can get it. But the Queen has basically summoned Prince Charles, his two sons, Prince Harry and Prince William, who are basically not even on speaking terms at this point, to all sit around a table and try and thrash out some kind of deal by which Meghan Markle and Prince Harry uh, can leave the royal family behind, while at the very same time, maintaining their presence in it. It's an absolutely ludicrous situation. Uh, let's move on from that just for a second, though. We've got loads of you who want to talk to me, and you know the number if you want to get on uh, to the most uh, fastest-growing radio station on the planet. 0344 499 is, of course, the number. We're going to take a little step away from it, though, to talk to Charlotte Nichols, Labour MP for Warrington North, uh, newly elected uh, in December, of course. She supports Emily Thornbury for leader and Angela Rayner for deputy, because today, later on today, uh, they're going to narrow down the number of uh, people who want to become Labour leader uh, and we're going to sort of move it on a phase. Charlotte, very good morning to you. Welcome. Very good morning to you. Now, I'm going to ask you in a moment why you support Emily Thornberry, but I'm rather alarmed to tell you that just as I was about to talk to you, I had a quick look and see uh, what the latest news is. And according to the Daily Telegraph, Emily Thornberry looks set to become the first senior Labour figure to be eliminated from the contest to replace Jeremy Corbyn. So um, if that happens today, you'll have to start supporting somebody else. Well, I'm actually supporting Rebecca Long-Bailey for the leadership. I nominated Emily Thornbury in the hopes that she would get onto the ballot paper to broaden the contest right. and to make sure that, as you said, she wouldn't be the first senior Labour figure to be eliminated. Okay. I don't think that Becky's got anything to fear from 
a completely open contest and I think Labour members deserve to have a full choice of candidates. Why do you think Emily Thornberry is so unpopular? I don't think she is unpopular. I think it's just a very strong field of candidates and I think that for a lot of people, um, you know, there are people that they would be supporting first perhaps, but that doesn't diminish, you know, her... Mm capability as a candidate either. No. It's unusual, though, isn't it, for you to support somebody like Emily Thornberry, who was not really very visible during the last campaign for uh, Jeremy Corbyn to become Prime Minister, uh, whereas Rebecca Long-Bailey is very much a Corbynite, isn't she? I don't think she is a Corbynite. I think it's a little bit reductive to um, sort of... Well, she supports all these policies, doesn't she? Well, she was the architect of a lot of the most popular policies of Corbyn's, including Labour's Green New Deal. Well, there weren't any popular policies. I think we should stop pretending that that was the case. If they were popular, you would have been in government, wouldn't you? I think there was one policy that was deeply unpopular, and that was our Brexit position. But broadly speaking, the issues around, you know, investing in the NHS and social care and things like this, these are things that people wanted to see. Yeah, but don't you think it's a bit ridiculous to say that these were popular policies when you got beaten so badly and the, the majority for the Tories is now so huge that basically the Labour Party is going to be irrelevant for the next five years? I don't think the Labour Party will be irrelevant in the next five years, but as I said, this was a Brexit election and our position on Brexit was one that voters weren't happy to... Yeah, right, but if you get that so badly wrong, knowing what we do now... I mean, I was talking to a lot of people in the Labour Party before the election, Rebecca Longbelly being one of them, um, yeah. and I said to them at the time, this Brexit policy is never going to fly. But they stuck to it. Uh, they, they remained absolutely uh, determined to have this kind of sitting-on-the-fence position. And it proved to be a complete disaster. So if that's the judgment of people who were leading the Labour Party into the last election, why would anybody trust them to do anything else right? Well, in terms of the judgment of people who were leading the Labour Party at the last election, I mean, you know, without getting too negative, there was one person in particular who'd be responsible for our Brexit position. Keir Starmer? That, well, quite, yeah. And he apparently is now the front-runner to be in charge of the Labour Party. He's the front-runner according to PLP nominations, but this is only stage one of the contest. You've still got to get through the next part to even be on the ballot paper. Yeah, but he topped the YouGov poll as well, didn't he? By quite, I mean, he topped the YouGov poll by quite a substantial measure mm. as well. Well, again, you know, there's still the contest closes on April the 4th. It's very early on at the moment, and there's yeah. a lot of things that could happen between now and then. Right. So you're supporting Rebecca Long-Bailey. Um, yeah. Why do you think she's the best candidate? I think she's the best candidate because she was the person that was responsible for the popular parts of our policy. When I was outdoor knocking in Warrington North as an area that's responsible for a lot of the country's nuclear and really close to a lot of what's happening around hydrogen gas development, around tidal and so on, people were really interested in a sort of industrial policy for this community that was talking about creating really good, high-quality, highly-skilled jobs rather than, you know, this sort of uberfication of the job market where everything's about zero-hours contracts on minimum wage. OK. Um, but, again, you're not really being able to affect any of that, are you, whenever she's going to be... If she's put in charge of the Labour Party in April, um, what's she going to be able to do about that? Well, there's a lot we can do about this because a lot of these things, particularly about hydrogen gas development, are being led by Labour local authorities, whether it's in the Mersey region or in Tees Valley... There are things that we can be doing before being in government, which hopefully, with someone like Rebecca Long-Bailey leading the party, will only be a few years away. And what about the people in the party who think that the, the move lurched to the left was wrong? What, where, where, where will they go? What will their votes do? 
I don't think that the party did lurch to the left. I mean, a lot of the things that we were talking about, you know, were framed in terms of the narrative as being very radical ideas, but they weren't particularly. I mean, a majority of the public across all political parties, for example, support rail renationalisation. That's not something that's radical. That's something that's common sense. Is it? Well, why didn't he get elected as the new government if everybody liked it so much? Because, as I said, this was a Brexit election and our Brexit position was wrong and not one that voters thought... Did you say it was wrong at the time? I did, yeah. What, when you were campaigning? Yeah. So what was your position then on Brexit? My position on Brexit was that ultimately I respected the result of the referendum and that there were three tests for me for supporting a Brexit position put forward by any party, which was, one, that it protected jobs and employment in the bill itself. Secondly, that it didn't put the NHS sort of on the table for trade deals with any other countries. And thirdly, that for Warrington-based businesses who export, that there were trading arrangements in place so that they could plan for the future. And so you voted for the withdrawal bill, presumably, last week, did you? I abstained on the withdrawal bill because it didn't meet those three tests. I see. And what about the anti-Semitism problem? What do you think Rebecca long Bailey will do about that? Because you've had people arrested now. Jess Phillips had to fire one of her uh, chief aides for making anti-Semitic comments. You know, it's not going away, this story. No, and I think that Rebecca long Bailey actually wrote a really thoughtful and considered piece in the Jewish News yesterday, not just accepting the Board of Deputies' proposals for how the party can move forward, but actually going further on a lot of them, showing real insight into what the problem's been so far and how we can move forward from it. Yeah, but, I mean, people have been writing considered pieces for quite a few years now and nothing's actually changed. Hmm. Well, you know, as someone who's Jewish myself, who is a Labour MP, this is something that, from conversations that have been had so far, from people's answers within the Parliamentary Labour Party hustings meeting, where I made my decision on who I was backing, I believe that it was Rebecca and Bailey who was making the most credible case for what she was actually going to do. Because, as you said, it's about deeds, not words. Well, exactly right. And as a Jewish person inside the Labour Party, do you mm. feel that there are people inside the Labour Party still who are anti-Semitic? Yes. And what do you think should happen to them? I think they should be expelled. And um, I think that one well, of the people... Why can't that, that just happen? Why can't, why can't that just happen? Why does it have to take years and years and years for it to happen? Because the Labour Party is a democratic membership organisation which has got a rule book which has got sort of quasi-legal status that means that it's actually quite technically difficult to do so without reforming some of that. So it's technically difficult to throw anti-Semitic people out of the Labour Party? It's technically difficult to remove anyone from the Labour Party for anything. Well, you managed, to, check, uh, you managed to chuck Alistair Campbell out pretty fast. Auto-exclusions are pretty straightforward, but they can't be used for things other than supporting other parties. Uh -huh. So it's all right to be anti-Semitic, but it's not OK to support Lib Dems? Clearly, I don't think it's OK to be anti-Semitic. Well, that's what Labour Party rules would suggest. I don't think it's the Labour Party rules that suggest Well, you've just told me it's difficult to throw people out of the Labour Party uh, on grounds other than them joining another party or showing uh, a, a sort of acceptance of another party. So, effectively, what that means is, logically, is that it's worse to support the Lib Dems than it is to be anti-Semitic. But joining another party is really easy to prove that someone's done that. When it's things, you know, arguments about harassment, for example... Um, allegations of racism and so on, they need to be properly investigated. Well, you've just told me you know of people in the Labour Party who are anti-Semitic. Well, I know of people who claim to be in the Labour Party who are anti-Semitic because, unfortunately, you only need to look at my Twitter mentions to see that. So, what, you don't know if they're in the Labour Party or not? 
Well, no, because they're anonymous trolls online. Oh, I see. All right. So, um, what happens after today, then? What are you expecting the numbers to fall to? Emily Thornbury drops out of the race, presumably? I mean, I'm hoping that Emily Thornbury will make it onto the ballot paper. I know that there are a number of MPs who are considering lending her their nominations in the interests of an open contest, as I did. After today, it then goes into the affiliate stage where people have to try and get the backing of different trade unions and affiliated groups to the Labour Party. And then, obviously, it goes to the members to make the final decision. OK. And do you think you'll ever see a Labour Party in government in your lifetime? Yeah, I believe that we will be in government at the next election. Do you? Well, you probably believe that you might be in government last election, but that didn't turn out too well. To be honest, I didn't expect that we were going to be. Although, really? I will be honest, the scale of the defeat was something that took me by surprise. Yes, I think it took a lot of people by surprise, especially Jeremy Corbyn. Charlotte, thanks very much indeed. Charlotte Nichols, there, Labour MP from Warrington North, uh, who was supporting Emily Thornberry, wants her to stay in the race, but is actually preferring to back Rebecca Long-Bailey. Uh, it's going to be a long time before the Labour Party are in power, as far as I can see. Um, but, you know... The old anti-Semitic problem continues to persist. Only at the weekend, Jess Phillips had to sack one of her chief aides for making anti-Semitic statements. We've had five people arrested by the police, no less, for being anti-Semitic. It's absolutely incredible how they cannot seem to get their heads around how to fix it. 0344 499 1000. Don't forget to watch us. Join the gathering throng uh, watching us on YouTube uh, and you can comment on there as well. Uh, it's easy to chuck white straight men out, but difficult to throw anyone else out. Uh, says Kay. Uh, well, I think you might be right about that. Uh, tell us what you think about Labour. Tell us what you think about Harry and Meghan. We've got loads of time. We're here till one o'clock. This is Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, now not only live on talk radio throughout the nation and throughout the world, online, of course, as well, at talkradio.co.uk. Uh, you can now watch us on YouTube. You can watch us as well on Facebook, and you can watch us, of course, on Twitter. Loads and loads of you uh, are joining in the debate on uh, the YouTube feed as well. There's somebody calling themselves a vegan atheist says, we don't need a black leader, a woman, etc. We need the best person for the job. And that is something that the Labour Party just simply do not understand. And not too many of you terribly impressed 
impressed with Charlotte Nichols, I'm afraid, uh, either. Uh, here's one uh, from uh, Mr Mac, who says, Emily Thornberry isn't an unpopular candidate. There are just a lot of strong contenders. So she's the most unpopular of the candidates, then. Why can't these people ever actually admit anything? Uh, who is on uh, the Mike Graham show saying the Labour leadership contest is a very strong field? It's incredibly, monumentally, unbelievably, incomprehensibly weak, says Louise. And Sean says, utterly deluded, Labour Party position from your contributor. They are finished. Long Bailey is Corbyn in a skirt. Well, I mean, many of you are not very happy with the choices being put before you if you're a Labour Party member, because why on earth uh, would you want to elect any of them to run a whelk stand? To be honest, none of them have got any clue about what the people want. It's why they got defeated so heavily in the last election and why they're probably going to get defeated very heavily in the next election. Let's talk to Nadia Essex instead about dating Japanese billionaires because that might be far more intriguing. Nadia, very good morning to you. <laughs> Good morning. What a, what a segue. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, what better way to get yourself out of a terrible conversation about the future of the Labour Party, which, let's face it, doesn't have much of a future, uh, <laughs> and then think about flying to the moon with a Japanese billionaire. This guy, right, uh, Yazuka uh, Maizawa, has decided that he wants to take one of the first voyages to the moon, but he's looking for a life partner to go with him. Brilliant. Is I mean, I'm my finger is hovering over the application button. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Meghan Markle hasn't put her name forward, to be honest. Nah, she's sorted. <laughs> she doesn't need to go to the moon. No, she but doesn't. The world, it's all done for her. But it's, I mean, what a, what an offer. Well, it is an offer, but it's a bit weird, isn't it? Because in a way, and I was saying this before the show, it's not that much different from hiring an escort, is it? I mean, he says he wants a life partner, um, but does he, really? Yeah, well, I would imagine that he probably does. I think most people probably do, like... You know, you can have your Playboy time, but when you have that much money, you really can... You can get anybody and anything that you want. What you can't buy is genuine chemistry and connection and that type of thing. So I just... Yeah, I think that it's... I think it's genius. I mean, he's, you know, he's a billionaire. It's a... People go on Match.com for free <laughs> and, and go through a tick of, you know, criteria for dating. Mm. And this guy's offering to take you to the moon, like... Bring it on. Well, I imagine, and you know more about this uh, area of expertise than I do, I imagine there's going to be an awful lot of young women putting their names forward for this because he says he's going to have a planned matchmaking event on his website, having just split up with his actress girlfriend, who's only 27, by the way. Uh, so maybe if you're over 30, you need not apply. Perhaps. I mean, it says over 20 on his website. Oh, that's all right, then. Which gives me hope that, OK, you know, at least there's a boundary... Um, but yeah, I think that, I just think it's, it's a really, when you've got, like for me, I just think you've got to take data with a pinch of salt and what a trip if you, even just the process of going to the, the, going through the rounds or meeting the guy and seeing what happens, like you've got to put yourself out there and. You know, if, imagine if you got picked. Yeah. Well, he's quite an eccentric character, this guy. Apparently he used to be a drummer in a punk band, right? And earlier this month, he shared something like nearly a million dollars uh, between a hundred randomly selected people who shared one of his tweets. Yeah, I mean, generosity, that's a nice trait. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you'd never be equal partners, would you, with a guy like that? I don't think... Do we have equality in this country between men and women still? Yeah, I think so. I I don't think 100%. I think we're on the right track. I think most men would tell you they've got no chance of being equal with most women because it's the women who wear the trousers and boss everybody around. 
quite. <laughs> you know, I mean, equality was never a thing as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, and it's about, it's about, you know, it, it, I've, in my time, I've dated lots of men that are far wealthier than me, and I've dated men that are not as wealthy as me, and so there's always an imbalance somewhere. What do you prefer? The wealthier. <laughs> Funnily enough. No, yeah, well, do you know what it is? And I'll tell you for why, and not because of the money, that's not the point, but because when I dated the wealthier guys, they had no problems in sharing, and we would go to nice restaurants and nice places, and it wouldn't make them feel bad. But when I dated guys that didn't earn as much money as me, mm. then I, find, I found myself sacrificing, you know, dinners in certain places to make sure that they, their ego... That they was, didn't feel bad. That they didn't feel bad, that they couldn't afford, you know, which was fine. I was happy to do it. I was happy to go to Nobu with my girlfriends and, you know, wear the spoons with the, with the boyfriend. Right. It wasn't an issue. I didn't mind it. Well, listen, I'm, I'm, very easy, I'm very easy to please, by the way. I have no problem at all with you taking me out and buying me dinner wherever you want to go, as expensive Good. as you like. Yeah, but that's how it should be. But there's a lot of men that, well, this particular boyfriend, he hated it and it made him feel very emasculated. And so I then had to, you know, sort of, as I say, sacrifice because he, I had to lower myself to live to sort of his means. Yeah. Um, whereas when I dated the wealthier guys, I never, it wasn't even an issue. We, no. We, well, see, that's, yeah. where, that's where it's all wrong, isn't it? I mean, a friend of mine always says it's like, um, you know, they say money doesn't buy you happiness, but it does buy you an awful lot of places you can go uh, and be miserable in. I think, it, I, and I think I, have, I take that a real offence to that saying, because you've only got to go down any anyone that says money doesn't buy happiness has never really been skinned. Because <laughs> let me tell you, when you are broke and you are literally choosing between heating and eating, then if someone put a hundred pounds in your bank account, that would make you the happiest person you think all your Christmas has come early. It's a really offensive saying, yes. and I just don't agree with it at all. Money does buy you happiness because it buys you security. It buys you options. How many people do we know that have broken up in relationships because they've argued yeah, over money? Absolutely, it's a very, very high source. Well, I mean, look at Meghan and Harry. They're arguing over money even now, even though they've got millions. It's not enough, yeah. apparently. Well, I mean, that's the point, in that there is no level. You could have millions or nothing, and you can still argue over money. And that, and that's the point. You fundamentally have to try and get on in the relationship aside from money, but. Yeah, I think, you know, it, we just have to... Money does make the world go round. It does. Now, I'm going to be seeing you soon on my new TV venture, Planks mm. of the Week, um, which is a little bit later on this month. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, not as a, a plank. Like, can I just say that I will hopefully be there not as a plank. You won't be there as a plank. No, you'll be a panel <laughs> panellist on the Plank show. You'll be able to pick your own planks. It'll be great. Amazing. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm already thinking. I've got some people on the shortlist ready Good. to go. Excellent stuff. Great. Nadia, thanks very much indeed. Nadia Essex, a dating expert, saying that... Uh, you know, there was a time when she might have been putting her own name down uh, to join up with the Japanese billionaire who wants to take a life partner to the moon. This is a remarkable story. Uh, the uh, entries closed, by the way, I think on January the 17th. So if you want to be picked by him, uh, you have to get yourself along to his website uh, and see whether you can uh, get yourself down on the shortlist. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 03444991000. It is Sandringham Summit today. Uh, and the uh, Prince and Prince... Uh, sorry, the Pr Prince William and Prince Harry, uh, so many princes and dukes and duchesses, sometimes it's easy to get confused, uh, have come out with a statement in which they say that a newspaper article today, uh, I believe it's one in the Times by Valentine Lowe, uh, says uh, that they have fallen out because William apparently wasn't friendly enough towards Meghan. They're saying the story uh, is untrue. They're saying that it's false. They're saying that it uses damaging wording uh, and when they care so much about mental health it's a very dangerous thing to say now the words that are used in this piece are bullying um, and constantly being told their place that kind of thing let's talk to Robert Hardman now uh, who is of course writer and author of Queen of the World Daily Mail um, uh, writer at large as well Robert very good uh, afternoon to you welcome good afternoon mate well I mean we've been through a few uh, royal scandals in our time you and I this one really is quite remarkable isn't it uh, yeah, it's. it's uh, I think it's it's a crisis. It's not a constitutional crisis, but it's very much a, a royal family crisis. And uh, as we've seen from the statement that's just come out in the last few minutes, uh, the family are very keen to uh, to make sure that, that that at least they try and and, and stop this spiralling out of control. To stop it becoming uh, too too personal. Um, stop it becoming a, a, a sort of vicious. Um, uh, spat. It's, it's, it's ultimately it's a it's a very sad internal family argument, and the Queen has always um, been one for consensus, for trying to sort things out in in a non-combative way, and that's what she's going to hope to try and do today. Sure, but this statement that's just come out from from William and Harry about how their relationship is fine. Um, plainly watching them and seeing what's been happening over the last year or so, fine is not perhaps a word I would use to describe it. Well, yeah, they've, I mean, they've acknowledged that, that it's, there have been bumpy moments. I think they're, they're keen, uh, I think, as you rightly identified that word, bullying. I think it's something they're particularly um, uh, cross about because um, a, a sort of key strand of their whole uh, mental health um, initiative that both of them have been um, promoting um, very actively now for, 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 for some years, um, a key plank of that is, is anti-bullying. Yeah. So, for, for, for one side or other to, to one side to accuse the other of bullying, it, that, that's pretty uh, dangerous stuff. Um, I mean, I, ultimately, you know, blood is thicker than water. They are still um, close in many regards. I, clearly, the events, not just of the last few days, but uh, of the last couple of years, there have been um, tensions there um, in their in their relationship. And um, I, I think what what, the, what this statement is all about is is saying that you know we we may have had our arguments about stuff but actually you know we we're still we're still close as brothers. Yeah. but when you look back at the interview that tom bradby did as 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 we all did at the weekend and when you read tom bradby's piece from the sunday times yesterday which was clearly something that they wanted out there as it were there were very many undertones of that kind of complaint weren't there well yeah there were and there was also within that interview um the the, the sort of the the prospect of some sort of nuclear button yeah you know, that, that there might be this this interview, uh, which uh, I think, as, as Tom Bradby said, it wouldn't look pretty. Right. Um, that would be an understatement. Um, I, I do think that just to raise that even as a possibility um, at this stage is a, is, a, is a pretty aggressive thing to do. Um, I, I yeah, and he didn't just dream. That. I mean, he didn't just dream that up. You know, he wrote that for a purpose. Uh, yeah, I, and 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 he he talked about you know he, he knowing the sort of things that would be discussed in that. Right. So clearly, that is something. Uh, that in, in private they've been talking about. Whether they whether that's likely to surface in today's discussions is another matter. I don't think it is. I, I don't think you 
Harry knows that you do not um, make any sort of threats to the Queen. I mean, he wouldn't want to anyway. I, he, he's, he's devoted to, to, to his grandmother. Um, but I think that that was there as a sort of a reminder, perhaps, to uh, some of the officials as to, um, you know, what, what we're talking about. Here. Yeah. Um, it's, it's gone. So I was going to say, do you think that, uh, I mean, now that he's with his family, she's not there, um, he's, mm. he's likely to be less kind of, uh, shall we say, rebellious, if you like, because having just spent the last six weeks with her and no other member of his own family, it might be easy to say that he's been sort of led astray slightly. Uh, well, it, it certainly will be interesting to, to, to find out what the sort of the, the, the mood music was. Uh, certainly with the Duchess um, uh, on the other side of the world, uh, that is going to, to change the, the, the dynamic yeah. of the meeting. Um, and everyone says she's going to be joining by conference call. My understanding is that she might be um, joining part of the conversation by conference call, but, but you don't really do conference calls with the Queen herself. <laughs> um, well, and, I mean, and, and, and we've all we've all tried a few, and it's always a bit of sort of fumbling around with the buttons and someone saying, "Oh, hello, can you hear me?" Yeah. Um, it's not it's not really what you want when you're having a, a particularly um, tricky and sensitive discussion um, with the monarch. So. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm and somebody sure pointed I'm... out on Twitter this morning to me when, I, when we were talking to Robert Jobson, well, why on earth would you want her listening in on the conversation? She might record it for some kind of future broadcast. You know, I'm not saying that she would do that, but it's a risk. Uh, well, I, I, you know, the, the, there, are, there are a number of issues here that, um, that I think certainly that there needs to be an element of, of, of discussion just between, um, between the, the, the Queen, Prince Charles and Prince William because there are things here that that go back way before um, the, the, the Duchess was ever on the scene. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the other Duchesses aren't there either. Um, there's no question of sort of, you know, freezing uh, Meghan out. Um, Camilla, Duchess of Cornwall, and Kate, Duchess of Cambridge, they're not involved. Um, for William as well, I think an important point, um, and I think this maybe goes to the, the, the reason for this swift response and this statement that's just come out. Um, he's not just... Uh, there because, um, you know, he's, he's next in line to the throne after his dad. And he's not just there because he's Harry's brother. He's also there because whatever's decided today is going to set a template for his own children. Mm. If there is a new arrangement for uh, for the younger sons of monarchs and you know, younger children of monarchs and, and how they operate, then the next uh, people who are going to um, be governed by any new rules after Harry and Meghan are going to be William's children. Right. So, uh, you know, he's he's very much involved in this. Uh, I, I think overall, the, 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 everyone is going to try and keep the, the mood, uh, you know, cordial. Uh, there are going to be a few tricky things to discuss. I don't think they're going to get into any um, seriously. Uh, I, I was told that don't expect any kind of blue sky thinking. It's not going to be that sort of meeting. It's going to be quite practical. I don't think they'll talk about things like money in the sense of security money, because that's not a question for the Queen. That, mm. That's a question for the government. I think they will talk about uh, the, the funding arrangements um, and I think they will talk about just how do you propose to make this new arrangement right. work. And, and presumably they might have something to say about what they can and cannot do in terms of commercial activity because, you know, they can't just suddenly go off and, and launch this website called, you know, Sussex Royal and start selling pyjamas, can they? Well, they can't and, and, and they, you know, you, you've gone to the heart of it, Mike. I mean, the... the Sussex Royal, what are the three letters that come afterwards? It's .com, it's not a .org or right. a .gov or a .royal. Um, it's, it's, it's setting out to be a commercial entity, and that in itself does raise questions, because how does it work if one day 
or even half of one day you're answering to your shareholders or a set of shareholders or a sponsor or a company uh, and then your next engagement is on behalf of the queen or the government or the commonwealth yeah um and and these are these are tricky things if one minute you're um promoting uh doing something for for you know bp or shell and the next minute you're you're doing something on behalf of a of, of, of some environmental um charity it's 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 you know these things are are tricky um i think you know the press are going to be there to uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be looking at all these things um, uh, with a very keen eye. Um, it's not going to be an easy process, and uh, everybody knows that. And, and I, I think a, a key part of this meeting is is that, you know, let nobody delude themselves. This ain't going to be easy. No, it certainly isn't. And are you expecting there to be some kind of statement issued afterwards? Because we're told that whatever happens, the Queen will want this to be done and dusted by tea time. She won't want to have it sort of dragging on. I, I can't imagine we're going to get um, a, a kind of clear answer as to how it's all going to work. I think what, what we will get is an indication of what happens next. Uh, I mean, Harry's got one more engagement, uh, which happens to be taking place at Buckingham Palace on Thursday, which is to launch the next Rugby League World Cup oh, yeah. uh, in, 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 his, in his grandmother's home. Um, and uh, once that's done, I think we can expect him to then um, fly to rejoin the Duchess and, and Baby Archie in Canada, and, um, I, and and I think chew over what what is what is sort of almost put on offer today. Right. I mean, t today is an important step in a process, and we will learn uh, how things are going to happen moving forward. But uh, I, I can't I can't imagine we're going to get. Um, too much detail. No. And can you imagine a scenario whereby he's kind of allowed to keep a foot in both camps? Because I can't really. I can't see how... I, I uh, think it's really difficult because, I mean, I, I've been looking back at sort of examples. There was, there was a small um, sort of narrow window in, in the late 90s between um, when his mother, Diana, Princess of Wales, she, she got divorced um, and, and for, for a year or so up till her tragic death in 1997, she was trying to Sort of forge this semi-royal, non-royal, but sort of royal um, path with, um, with 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 a number of charities. Mm. Um, and I remember going with her on a on a trip to Australia, and uh, it was it had been organised by a charity, and it was largely being funded by a charity. And when we got there, there was this motorcade to drive her around, and we were sort of vaguely interested in well, who's provided this, yeah. and that it had been sponsored by the local Toyota dealership. <laughs> uh, um, you know. Do we want that sort of a situation where we have someone who's an emissary of um, of the crown, of, uh, of, of, of not just the, the, the British crown, but I mean the Queen is, is Queen of 15 other countries as well, um, in, in, in a sort of position where they're somehow beholden to uh, to, 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 to commerce? Um, I mean, it, we're, we're all in favour of the royal family flying the flag and doing trade promotion, all that sort of thing. That's all good. Yeah, but not for their own but, gain, um, though. But but the minute, the, precisely the minute, there's a, there's, a, there's a sort of there's a sort of transactional dimension to that relationship. Things can get awkward, and ordinarily that's not sort a of problem. I mean, most of the time, most people are perfectly sensible. They can see, you know, if if, if, if companies sponsor X or Y or Z, that's what sponsors do. Um, but but there's there's always something in it for the sponsor. Mm. Uh, and what what is that something? Well, know? quite. And it was very unedifying watching that video that came out over the weekend, or was rehashed, I suppose, over the weekend of of Prince Harry meeting the head of Disney and telling him that Meghan was available to do voiceover work. 
yes, it doesn't doesn't uh, it doesn't really you know it's, it's it, again it doesn't it raises as many questions <laughs> as it answers when we. Say I mean, I'm available to do voiceover work, but I don't know anyone that knows the head of Disney, so I'm a bit of a disadvantage. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and how does it work when, for example, there's a uh, there's there is a, a sort of formal official event, uh, and at the same time there there is. I don't know one of the one of the one of their sponsors or one of their clients, right. or whatever better word. I mean, Rosie doesn't have clients, or it certainly hasn't until now. Maybe that's about to change. Well, exactly. Well, Robert, it's going to be fascinating. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be speaking to you before the end of the week because there's much more to talk about. Robert Hardman there from the Daily Mail, uh, also writer and author of Queen of the World. Because the other piece of information we got this morning from the Daily Mail is that the house they stayed in uh, over in Vancouver Island is owned by a Canadian billionaire by the name of Frank Giustra. Uh, who is apparently a friend of the Clintons. So, there we are. Marvellous, isn't it? This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.